0: Good evening, everybody. It is Kirk Henderson coming to you once again with another episode of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. Tonight, I am joined by a special guest, Mavs Moneyball Editor-in-Chief, Rebecca Lawson. Rebecca, how are you tonight?
1: Um, I've had better nights, Kirk. How are you?
0: I ha- I I, too, have had better nights. We're coming to you moments after the Mavericks suffered just their fourth away loss of the season their fourth road loss of the season this time to the los angeles lakers where they fell 108 to 95 um i have a lot to say about this game but i want to compose my thoughts a bit rebecca was there anything of this game that you watched that you liked
1: well um you know jj borea came in and did that thing where he's good for like five minutes so that was fun but You know, usually that results in some kind of spark for the offense that results in like a big rally that results in like a fun win. And tonight it was just kind of a lot of nothing. It seemed like after Hardaway went down early in the game that the offense was just kind of lost without him, which seems weird to say because when Luca went down for two weeks, the offense didn't seem terribly lost without him. So losing the third best player seems like you should be able to kind of rally from that. And it seemed like after Hardaway went down, nothing really went well for the team. Everyone was missing shots that they should have. I mean, it seemed like they were getting good looks, but missing shots. So, I mean, yeah, like other than Berea coming out and giving them five good minutes like he always does, I didn't really see anything to be excited about tonight.
0: No, and and that's that's a very good take because – Barea, now, he's somehow, after after this game, he's somehow 14 of 25 from three for the season, <laughs> which is, like, like hysterical to me. Uh, yeah. He had, you know, he had two turnovers. The team had something. The team had 17 turnovers. Oh, my God, the turnovers. Seven, 17 assists to 18 turnovers. Yeah, it, it was one of their uglier games of the season. I don't really have anything good either. I, I you know, I guess Dorian Finney-Smith, continuing his streak of hot shooting because he hit three of five from distance that was pretty exciting but other than that i i really don't i don't have much i i want to pivot nearly immediately to the bad but i want to give you a chance to go on your runway first because i have a feeling once i start talking i might not i I might pull a Colin cowherd and just go for like 30 straight minutes so so what do you got what were the things that really drove you nuts from this game
1: um, you know, I think I said a few of them earlier. The the fact that the offense couldn't really seem to regroup after Hardaway went out was was distressing to me. It seems like Tim Hardaway Jr. should not be the linchpin of your of your efforts in a basketball game, but here we are. Um, you know, they were on the second night of a back to back, but so were the Lakers um Mm -hmm. that seems to matter more for the Mavericks um Porzingis I think he played like 23 26 minutes last night which I believe was more minutes than he played the last time he played the second game of the back-to-back so not sure if that had some kind of effect on his play you know who knows if after Luca went down at the end of the first half that he was playing maybe hurt maybe scared Um, you know, lots of different factors in this game that I feel like you could point to, but overall, I think it was just poor execution, you know, having to regroup after, you know, one of your better players goes down and, you know, like just uh, some of it, I think you could probably just also chalk out to the Lakers being a very good defensive team. So, you know, sometimes you're going to catch them on a good night. Like they did the last time they played each other. And, you know, sometimes when two really good teams play each other, one team's going to do better. So you know, hopefully we can chalk it up to that, but I know you have very specific grievances in this game that you want to get to
0: oh, God. I, you know, I hate being this guy. I hate being the guy that is just, you know, grumpy and negative. And it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's my bit, but I've really enjoyed being happy for the better part of the season before we, before I really get on my list of grievances on the, on the 3rd of December, Jonathan Sharks wrote a column for the Ringer about how the Mavericks have unlocked Luka Doncic's MVP potential. I actually sent the column to Skin Wade uh, I don't know, probably 30 minutes before the game because you know, he just mentioned to me how Hardaway's played such an impressive month. And he's right, and he's right. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. in that In that column, Sharks wrote, and I quote, the biggest revelation has been Hardaway, a 27-year-old known for mostly for his bloated four-year, $71 million contract. He's a gunner who had been miscast as a primary option, whether he was a starter in New York or a six-man in Dallas. His ability to get shots quickly has made more sense now that he's bought into a secondary role off Luka. Hardaway is always ready to shoot. He doesn't need to get into a dribble, or or he doesn't need to dribble to get into a rhythm, yeah. and that was just so evident tonight because Luke or uh, Hardaway went out, and the ball was whipping around reasonably well, and you know Doncic the 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 Lakers had him you know scouted relatively well. They're a long team, so their length bothered him from the the get-go whether it, it was who was guarding him or who was um you know basically playing the the corner three passes that's the sort of thing in a playoff series that I think Carlisle figures out how to how to pick through that a little bit more same with Luca to yeah. be honest Right. but but the fact is the passes that got to guys in the corner everyone was not ready to shoot yeah I love I love Seth Curry that dude pump fakes into nothing at least 4 times a game uh, <laughs> s- same with same with right they're just these you know the only one who seemed really ready to shoot was Dorian Finney Smith which you know I don't want to really understand how that works so you you just the whole team you know, shooting 36% from the field is is really hard with the kind of looks that this team got but you know the the Lakers played good defense i really gotta hand it to them but I really wanted to get that 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 Hardaway Jr. bit under because when he went out, it felt that no one else except for Luca was ready to shoot the ball. Um, I could I could kind of keep going. I think I'm going to in a minute, but I wanted to, to to pivot to you just for a second so I don't accidentally, you know, suck all the oxygen out of the room. Mm-hmm. What what else What else do you got now that I'm rambling?
1: Well, and you know, to kind of come back to the Hardaway Jr. point, it's it's. We've talked about this in in our Slack and in our internal conversations on the site this season, but really Rick has had this reputation over the years of taking these taking these players who have been who have been miscast and who have this talent and turning them into players who have a very useful role on a good team. And I feel like that, you know, it's something that we haven't really talked about a lot this season, but that seems to be what he's done with Hardaway this season is he's really taken him and put him in his proper role and put him in a place in the offense where he can really thrive. And so, you know, now that I go back and think about it more, maybe it does really make sense that when he went down, you know, everyone kind of falls apart because no one knows kind of what to do. If he's the third best player in this offense and Porzingis isn't playing much on the second night of a back-to-back, then him going down really does hurt your team. And so, you know, it, Kind of go back to a thought I had earlier, it really did seem like they never recovered after that.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. Whole game was off kilter.
1: Exactly. And so may and maybe then so they'll adjust because they do. And that's that's a Rick Carlisle coach team and that's what they do. They adjust. And maybe this gives Seth Curry a chance to kind of, you know, not reclaim that spot in the starting rotation, but show a little bit more of what he can do because it looks like, you know, obviously we hope it's not a long term injury, but if it's a hamstring, he's probably gonna be out for at least a few games. So yeah. Now see what Seth Curry can do in the meantime and next man up and Rick will figure out how to game plan and have everyone ready for the next uh, next game.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, now it's time for for my my airing of grievances. It is Yay. absolutely that time. I'm going to start with the petty stuff and get to the more serious stuff as we go down. My first is is ESPN commentator Dave Pash who actually had the balls to say during the game and remember the Mavs, they were a problem for the Lakers back in 2011 during the playoffs. <laughs> my man they blank the Lakers, 4-0. Put some respect on our name, you bald, old idiot. Ugh. Nobody wants to respect
1: the Mavericks ever. This is like, I think this is like just new territory for announcers, is that like, wait. This team is good now, like they haven't been good in in ten years. But what, what am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> I mean that that was such outstanding
0: outstanding fuckery and commentating, and and you know, again, apologies for explicit. I'll mark the podcast as explicit, whatever. But that that was so bad. Like I, I don't, I, I just don't know what to do with it. My my secondary of grievances has to be the 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 refereeing. I am not a refs guy. I don't believe the refs cost the Mavericks that game. I'm not that stupid. But there were so many instances of flat-out bad calls or no calls that I don't know where to begin. I I, I want to start with the fact that uh, Lakers guard Avery Bradley in the first half had one foul. Um, one of my followers, uh, what's his name here, Blake... Sorry, Blake, you're going to kill me for this tomorrow. Blake Weir had, yeah. the, had the guts, uh, had the guts to, to actually tweet out, I firmly believe that, the, that, that Rick Carlisle put in J.J. Barea just to send a point to the refs on, the, on, on how they were refereeing the game. And he's right, because Avery Bradley picked up something like four fouls, three of them on Barea in eight minutes. He <laughs> was doing nothing different in the first half. He simply was guarding a different guy. So if the refs are going to allow Luka Doncic, who is one of the NBA's, you know, marquee primetime future players to get roughed up the way he was tonight. And frankly, you know, that, that foul call, you know, it was a common foul. It was nothing, but he had been getting hit like that the entire half. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm I'm just disgusted with the way that the refs called that game. There were numerous instances. There's a, a great screenshot of Anthony Davis literally standing out of bounds you know the game was out of reach by this point it was like the Lakers had a 16 point lead he he's saving a ball while standing on the Lakers logo on the baseline and the refs don't call anything uh yeah. you know th- that that that's really that's really my 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 second main point those are those are my petty grievances
1: well you know and and to your point about the reffing like you know I'm I'm also kind of with you that refing. Roughing- generally has very little to do with the actual result of the game calls get missed and made on both sides and whatever. Man. But I did find during the first half, like yelling at my screen more than usual of like, can the Mavericks get a foul call ever? So, you know, I'm I'm with you on that particular petty grievance because it's just like, you know, I don't know if it's just LeBron versus Luca and Luca doesn't quite have the respect of the refs yet or, or whatever that was, but I definitely found myself yelling at my TV, especially in the first half more than usual.
0: My next grievance, airing of grievances, is I, you know, I talk about him a lot on this podcast, just about every time, because he's the second most important Maverick and Chris Tapps Porzingis. My man, I have to get you to figure out your shooting. Again, he's not why the Mavericks lost, but he had a couple of wide open threes that were either, uh, Along the the, what would be considered a corner three or right above at the little break point where the line, the three point line goes from being, you know, even with the sideline to being a little further on the distance and he came up short and badly short both times and. I know, you know, Jordan, uh, Jordan Broadus, who's a writer on our site, basically talks about this with regularity. It's not about this season with KP. It's about next season. I understand that he's right, but to shoot wide open shot short says there is something, you know, kind of fundamentally wrong with how his form is is working right now which I just don't understand because you know, he missed a couple of these, you know, short from, from the corner, but then he hit one from the logo (laughs) and and I don't understand, you know, his shot is all arm right now. That's not a good normal shot. It's a quick shot. I'll tell you that, but it, it like, that's just a little weird. I need him. I need him to figure this out. I need the Mavericks to help him figure it out because you know, Again, he's not why they lost 11.7 rebounds. He got caught off, you know, lots of bad angles tonight. LeBron put the LeBron had the Mavericks on a string defensively. And so he committed five fouls in 30 minutes and really just didn't look ready to play for a lot of the game. Right. Um, I I don't that's like a team effort scheme related thing. So I don't want to kill him too much on those sorts of things. But it just it it didn't really look good. Um, it, you know, it's, it's just kind of one of those things. Uh, what, what do you think about that?
1: Well, I mean, again, you know, second night of a back-to-back and I, you can refresh my memory if I'm, if I'm misremembering this, this is, I think the second time this season he's played on the second night of a back-to-back, but I believe the first time he played fewer minutes in the first game. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Um, I don't know if it's just, you know, again, the whole, like the whole team seemed off kilter after Hardaway goes out thing. Um, you know, Jordan is correct that it really is th- this particular team. Again, it's like not about this season about next season, but like I was talking to my husband the other day and, and we were pointing out and realizing this particular team, you know, Luca Porzingis, a few of the other guys, Maxi and, and, you know, Curry, who was signed to a longer term deal this particular formulation of the Mavericks is going to be around. It's not like these one and done teams that we've seen year after year in the Dirk era. This particular team is going to be around for a few years together. So they're going to have time to work out these kinks in the next season. And I think we've all gotten really excited by the start that they've had. And, and, And we have bigger ambitions for the team now that we've seen what they can do without realizing that we do kind of need to take a step back and realize, you know, that this may not be the year for this team, but they're definitely going to be better than we all thought. So
0: that's, that's probably true. I have, you know, a friend of the site, uh, Matt Moore of the action networks uh, uh, told me last night online that the Mavericks only real concern right now is peaking too early. And you know, we're so in the weeds with all this that I don't see a real way for them to peak too early because there's too many ways they can improve. So, mm-hmm. but, you know, long term, you're right. Like this is this is really there's at least five to six guys who are going to be part of the core rotation for two to three years. Right. And, you know, that should that that's one of those things that needs to give everybody a, a fair amount of hope. Yeah. Um, what was my next one? Because I just that's had a exactly. list going. He's my last one. I'm going to save him for a bit. I got to pick at our man, Luca. Uh, A lot of our, our, our fans and friends don't think I'm as hard on him as I ought to be. I think they're right it's just hard to be it's hard to be challenging of a guy who does so much offensively but that guy gets lost on defense at least 5 possessions a game mm-hmm. uh and i it's starting to get frustrating because some of the things are him getting lost on off ball cuts that's not an energy thing that's a paying attention thing that is a if you're anyone else in Carlisle's offense you get yanked from the game sort of thing And, you know, the Mavericks got beat by 13 tonight. So, you know, at the end, it wasn't one or two possessions didn't really matter. Uh, But it was it was still pretty terrible. I just I don't know. I don't know why that sort of thing happened. But yeah, my last one, my last one is obvious. It's Justin Jackson. I don't want to see him again. Don't want to see him play. Justin, if you're listening, if you're listening, I don't entirely understand what it is you think you do here. You are a six foot nine, 220 pound short, weak player who isn't in the game for any particular reason. In the month of December, he's shooting 37% from the floor, 23% from three. He's averaging 17 uh, minutes a game when he does actually manage to get in. He's not doing anything with his time. He looks like a basketball player. That is the thing that he has going for him. He has a body. He probably has at least something in practice to where Carlisle is putting him in. I think the uh, you know the 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 previously discussed stuff with Tim Hardaway Jr. is probably why he's earned some more minutes tonight. But I don't understand what the Mavericks think he's bringing to the floor. They often play him on a big player. He gets bullied. He gets out rebounded. He doesn't hustle. He doesn't do anything. I, I mean, am I wrong? I really want to know because you are not, I, you're not wrong. You're not. I wrong. feel I'm kind of a lunatic about this stuff, and sometimes I really harp on things that aren't accurate, that aren't fair. I know that. I'm a fan, I'm a fanatic. That's the way this goes. There was one rebound when the game was still up for grabs with like seven ish minutes where it bounced all the way up to the three point line. He was near the right elbow. He could have gone and got it, and he did not. The Lakers got the offensive rebound. LeBron hit a three, which was another one of those just like game ceiling plays. The very next play, he gets the ball in the corner. LeBron takes it from him. It was like he handed it to LeBron. Give me Josh Reeves, Rick Carlisle, Dallas Mavericks. Give me a guy who is a lunatic and not afraid, because I will tell you, I am done with Justin Jackson, and the Mavericks ought to be too. He's not giving them anything. He has had a month to to show something. He showed nothing. Put Ryan Brokoff in for all his minutes. Brokoff might be, you know, a, a, a less strong player. He might throw Anthony Davis to the ground, but I'll tell you what, the accountant will play hard all the time. Justin Jackson doesn't. I'm done with him.
1: Yeah. And you should be, I mean, I, so I, I, my husband and I were both watching the game together. And so we were just kind of chatting during the game. And one of the things he said that was really, and I, I don't have the, the basketball acumen that you have Kirk, but one of the things yeah. that he said that really <laughs> stuck with me was like, Justin Jackson is doing things in this game that I had coached out of me as a kid. <laughs>
0: it's the it's it's a lack of aggressiveness he's afraid of contact right he's too big of a guy to want like to want to play NBA basketball and not get hit there's just incidents where he'll he'll just shy away from contact and and you know I know the NBA is less you know it's not the 90s anymore but like he put on 20 pounds i heard the the dallas basketball.com podcast about how he'd put on con- weight to absorb content he doesn't do anything with it i i just yeah. i don't know it's, well, it's and not. So,
1: and so it it kind of goes back to like okay, he sucks. We know he sucks. He's been given the chance to show that he can do something better, and he can't. At least Brokoff plays hard. I would rather see Brokoff than Jackson. And then you know you kind of start looking towards okay, well, what can the Mavs do trade wise, and could he be a part of going away? because you know they have courtney lee's expiring they have justin jackson who does nothing you know and maybe you get another big man with some of that and you know so then then you can compete with some of these teams that have these big men that they can throw at you night after night and so you know i don't know if anyone would take justin jackson after watching that pathetic performance tonight but you know let's see what we can package together to get him off this team maybe
0: (laughs) well he's gonna you know i wouldn't be surprised he'll probably be a mav all year this is the sort of game, you know, this is the sort of, of thing with, and I've been talking about this with multiple people today in relation to how the NBA draft works. Guys who are drafted in the first round simply get more chances than anything else. The NFL, when a guy is bad, player, like teams acknowledge it and move on. But there's something about measurables with NBA teams where they just keep circling back and say, oh, well, well, he was a top 20 guy in high school for reasons that no one can explain. Oh, right. he was a top 15 draft pick because he went to a really good college because he was a top 20 high school pick for, for reason. It's just, it's the same thing. It's, it's bad logic compounding, bad logic.
1: Yeah. And uh, he, has you know, the, he has the intangibles and that's, and yes. that's what kind of my husband was saying is, it was like, you know, and y'all talked to him on the podcast last night, but you know, he does some things that make you think that he could be a good basketball player, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have the basketball IQ. And I made the point to John of like, okay, so is he Dennis Smith jr.? <laughs> And I think probably a horrible comparison, but it just more in the sense that like the talent is there, but he can't seem to actually capitalize on it.
0: Yeah, and, and let me be clear, because I'm going to get killed for this later. He's not why the Mavericks lost. The Mavericks lost for a litany of reasons. But when you're given an opportunity to provide a spark off the bench and you get snuffed out almost immediately by the fact that you're not ready to play in a big-time game, I'm just disinterested in him. It's not his fault per se that he he can't. Well, I mean maybe it is. I don't know. I I I just I'm I'm done with him personally. And and that's that's kind of my last airing of things. This is a frustrating game because I'd really, you know, the 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 kudos to the NBA for for scheduling a pair of teams on a back-to-back after playing road games the <laughs> night before. It's real genius scheduling, you know, you know highlighting, you know LeBron James was like 3 of 10 from the floor and he was a maestro offensively at 13 assists and really picked apart the Mavericks, but like this was a this was a borderline horrendous basketball game. Like the Mavericks only got beat by 13. It felt like they got beat by 40, but that's just cuz they couldn't shoot. But the Lakers weren't it wasn't like the Lakers were outstanding. They got killed by they got killed by by Dwight Howard, who had fifteen points off the bench. So it,
1: it was it was the first best team in the West and the third best team in the West, both playing on the second night of a back to back.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's about all I got. Um, do you have anything else you want to chip in? Because I've talked a little more longer than I than I would normally want to, but I'm sure no one will mind.
1: Now, I have have no final thoughts other than I hope that Tim Hardaway Jr. gets better quickly. I hope that the Mavs are able to regroup and do better next time and continue to play some of the good basketball that we have become accustomed to seeing from them this year.
0: Absolutely. Well, I thank you for joining me. You need to give yourself more credit on basketball acumen because here's the thing about basketball. Basketball is an extremely approachable game for people to watch and to learn because there's five guys doing a, a a minimal set of three things compared to football. The rules are pretty basic. The talent is sometimes outstanding, but you know what your conclusions from watching things are often pretty simple. Uh, You know, it's, it's, it's not that, that hard to follow. It's very hard to master. But I I do recommend you give yourself more credit on the things you know, because at this point, you've been a Mavs fan since 2010. You've watched nine years of games. You know way more than you think you do.
1: Well, I appreciate that. Thank you, Kirk. You're too nice to me
0: all right everybody this has been kirk yelling into the void from AvsMoneyball.com. i will uh, probably talk to you guys on new year's eve because i'm a total loser and don't go anywhere and i have a three-year-old and the thought of waking up after drinking on new year's day terrifies me so uh you know as always like subscribe let me know your comments and we will talk to you uh later on this week